0: I invite you, if you would, to turn your Bibles to the book of First Thessalonians in chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. If you're following along in the Pew Bible, you're on page 837. Now go ahead and prepare you that I'll probably be all over the book of First Thessalonians today and the copy of scripture that I Normally read, because it's what I learned from in seminary, is the English Standard Version. So if I'm reading some things that are different from what you see in your pew Bible, that's why. I'll start out by reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18 NIV. Look around at this crowded sanctuary today. Isn't this wonderful? Um, just that we can be in here. And all of us together sitting so closely to each other. Um, it wasn't that long ago when this would have been unthinkable, really. And so I think we should always be careful to give God thanks and praise for things that we used to overlook and take for granted. And so I know that I'm so grateful for your presence today. Paul writes Be joyful always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I often joke with young couples when I'm doing premarital counseling with them. There's a section in the book that I use that helps you think about how it is that you can understand God's will for your life. The book is set up that you would ideally work with couples who aren't yet engaged. They're thinking about getting married. They're thinking about getting engaged. And the idea would be that we would start here first, and let's make sure this is a good idea before you get engaged. Most of you know that we don't do it that way, really. Usually by the time the couple's in front of me, the invitations are out. And and barring some major obstacle, these folks are getting married. But the idea of the book is that you would understand how to discern God's will for your life because when you get into marriage and things get hard and you feel pressed and you're thinking, well, maybe this wasn't the best idea. What were we thinking? Maybe, Maybe we should back out but you look back to that decision that you made when you were clear-headed and when you said, no, we think God is leading us to make this decision. I joke with couples that if I were to be invited to speak at a conference and I had a breakout session, the easiest way for me to fill a room would be for my topic to be how to understand God's will for your life. Everybody's walking around thinking, what is God's will for my life? What is it that I should do? And usually our focus is on things like, who should I marry or where should I live? What should we name this child? Things that, honestly, the Bible is not that interested in in some ways. And what the Bible is interested in is you and I seeking after the Lord growing in our love for him and pursuing lives of holiness and righteousness and love so that others might see the gospel on display in how we live. As I was thinking about this sermon series leading up to Thanksgiving and what it is that you and I should focus our hearts and minds on together, we've thought about the hope that we have And the reason we should be grateful because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thought about why we should be grateful for God's steadfast love. That for a group of people who know that they do not deserve God's love and affection. To lean into God's steadfast love as the source of the foundation of our hope. That God's not going to give up on us. Even when he would be right to do so. Because he loves us with that covenant steadfast love. It points us to those blessings that our faith brings us that aren't dependent upon the circumstances or what we might have in the moment. I think you and I are tempted to enter Thanksgiving week and be grateful for the same things that people are grateful for who aren't followers of Jesus Christ. You think about this week, what are you grateful for? Your family, which you should be. A full table. I, for one, am looking forward to some pecan pie. If you're curious, that's how you pronounce it correctly. Pecan pie. And all of those things that I would be quick to list as things that I'm grateful for. Three healthy kids a loving wife, a kind and gracious church family, all of these things that I would list don't necessarily make me different from someone who doesn't share my faith in Christ. There's one pastor who read, I read one of his books, a line that has stuck with me, that the world, an unbelieving world, is not impressed by Christians who chase after All the same things that they chase after. And the only difference is that they go to church and thank God for those things. That there ought to be something fundamentally different about who we are. And the source of our joy and the reason that we give thanks. That sets us apart and makes us different from people who aren't followers of Christ like us. Now it's not that you shouldn't be happy for your family. You should. Every one of them. Even that crazy uncle that you're not looking forward to seeing this week. Grateful for every person that God puts in your life. And you should be grateful. If you have a job and you can afford a home and you can put food on the table, for all of those gifts, you and I ought to be grateful. We ought to acknowledge that God is the giver and the source of all of those gifts. But experience teaches us, And the Bible is clear about the truth that all of those things are transitory. That they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. And if we get to live to be old enough and if Christ tarries, all of those things in which we are prone to put our hope and our reason for rejoicing and giving thanks are so fragile and can be taken from us at a moment's notice. And it might be that if we have an incorrect understanding of Christianity and the arrangement we have with the Lord, that that in those moments when life gets hard and things get difficult, that, that you and I can no longer find reason to rejoice. And we can no longer find reason to give God thanks and praise that he deserves. Just like that couple that hits a few rocks in their married life together, and start saying, wait a minute, what are we doing here? When life gets hard, if you and I find our greatest sense of our blessings, and the things that I've already mentioned, then then you and I are in danger when things get hard of turning our backs on the Lord. 1 Thessalonians is a difficult book. It's not difficult because it's hard to understand, but it's difficult in that it convicts me that, that my Christianity is often really easy. That Paul, when he was called to go and join with these others in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, that he did so in a world that was hostile to the Christian faith and what you and I call the good news. And that these believers in Thessalonica didn't exactly step into the gospel and respond in faith in ways that then allowed them to live their best life now. But instead, when they came to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they believed in all that God had done for them through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, they really did step into a faith that required them to embrace affliction, And hardship and difficulty. And so when Paul writes this letter to them, Paul himself is writing from affliction and hardship. He writes to them to encourage them to maintain the course in the face of difficulty. I would encourage you to read the whole letter as you have time and just underline every place that you see affliction or hardship or difficulty. And Paul is just as clear as he can be that his own missionary journeys and the experience of the believers in Thessalonica came with the difficulty of enduring persecution and hardship because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so Paul writes to encourage them to stay the path And one of the major themes that Paul touches on throughout this letter is the truth that one day Jesus Christ will return. In a passage that you've probably heard often at funerals and memorial services in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul writes this in verse 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do, Who have no hope. Paul says, We don't want you to be uninformed, that you might grieve as others do who have no hope. And implicit in that statement is the belief that there is a way to face hardship and difficulty and even death in a way that's distinct as followers of Jesus because our hope lies beyond this world. It's not that they wouldn't grieve. It's not that they wouldn't be sad at the loss of someone in their life who they love so dearly. But Paul is pointing them to a hope beyond the grave. Because of the resurrection of Jesus and the belief that one day he would return, that they might be able to grieve as people who have hope. And he says, encourage each other with these words. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 18. Verse 11: therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You and I should not be surprised as we walk through this fallen world, and things get difficult. And I'm looking around the room today and one of the gifts that God's given me and allow me to be on your staff for so long that I know a lot of your stories and I know that you're saying hey you don't know anything preacher about hardship about difficulty about the things that I've endured throughout my life you know the reality of what Paul's talking about and it might be that this is going to be your first Thanksgiving that you're going to gather and somebody's not going to be there. Right? But you're going to sit around the table and someone's missing that should be there. And Paul speaks to us from First Thessalonians today and he says, Encourage each other with the reality and the truth that our hope is not limited to this world. That our joy is not dependent ultimately on all the good gifts that you and I experience as a sign of God's grace and his mercy in our lives. But that there is a hope beyond the grave so that when verse 16 hits us and he says, Rejoice how often? Always. Rejoice always. I would prefer Paul to say rejoice when things are good. <laughs> rejoice when it's easy to see God's hand at work in your life, but he doesn't, does he? He says rejoice always because there is a hope that you and I have through our faith in Jesus that though everything goes wrong in our lives, like Habakkuk says in chapter 3, there are no cattle in the stalls, there are no fruit on the vine, yet I will praise you. There's a reason to rejoice in our lives, even if everything goes awry. Rejoice always. Pray how often? Without ceasing. Are you all praying right now? That, that, that phrase without ceasing, I think, is not meant to be taken literally. I don't think any of us can pray all the time, but it, but it means often, right? And one of the wonderful things about prayer is that it reorients our hearts and our minds to where our true hope ultimately lies. Yesterday, God gave me the gift of a nap. I laid down to put May down for her nap. May put me to sleep. And I woke up thinking about this passage, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. So I just laid there beside May and I just prayed. And I'm like you, I have things that I worry about, things in my heart and my family that that bring me Concern. And in that moment as I was praying, it was just this realization that as we, as we pray and as we bring all of our fears and our doubts and our requests and our hesitations to the Lord, there is this acknowledgement that I'm not just going through life on my own, doing the best that I can and hoping that everything works out. But that as we pray often, daily, without ceasing. I'm reminded that God is at work and God is at hand. And I don't have to be anxious for anything, but in everything, I can lay all my supplications before the Lord. And there truly is a peace that comes from knowing that God's at hand and at work. Give thanks when? In all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're curious what God's will for you is this week, what does God want for you to do? He wants you to rejoice. He wants you to rejoice in the hope that is yours through faith in Christ, that one day Christ will return and that our faith will be made sight And that we will experience and see the resurrection of Jesus. He wants you to rejoice this week. He wants you to pray without ceasing this week. And God desires for you to give thanks in all circumstances. And a really great thing starts happening in our lives, we do that. That God reorients our hope and our desires past just the things of this world, past just the momentary pleasures that he allows us to enjoy. And in those moments, I think people then start looking at us and they're saying, how is it that you can rejoice? How is it in this moment that you can give thanks? And you and I have an opportunity to say, not because it's easy, not because everything's working out for me, but in the midst of all the struggles that I face, I have this sure and certain hope that is mine because of Jesus Christ. And in those moments, you and I look different from the world. And people can see that our treasure is not just stuff, but it's the giver of all good and perfect gifts. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for the hope that is ours through our faith in Christ. And Lord, we are so grateful for all the ways we see your goodness at work in our lives individually and as families and as a church. And this week we pray that our hearts would be filled with gratitude. And that we would praise you, that we would rejoice in you, we would be constant in prayer. And Lord, we pray that you would root our hope so deeply past the things that we see and experience in this life to the joy and the value that's only found through eyes of faith, that we look to Christ, our Lord and Savior, and that you might be honored and glorified in us. Strengthen our faith, encourage us along the way, help us to speak truth to each other and to be faithful to proclaim the good news often. We offer this prayer in Christ's name, amen.